Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. I come to you with really a heavy heart today and going to be discussing the subject that's come up recently in the church about blessing ceremonies for so-called same-sex unions. You've probably heard that in response to questions posed to Pope Francis by a group of faithful cardinals, Pope Francis declared that in proper circumstances, it's up to a priest's discernment on whether or not to bless same-sex unions. He said it's necessary to ensure that the blessing ceremony isn't perceived as a sacrament or a Catholic wedding. I must confess, um, just shaking my head, can, you know, have we really come to this? Is that what we think? This is the need of our culture, the need of our church, a Catholic priest giving a blessing ceremony to a homosexual union of two unrepentant people of the same sex engaging in what is traditionally called sodomy. This is something beyond which I thought we would not have to come to. But today, I'm coming to you not as a Catholic radio host, even though I am one, but I don't come to you certainly as any type of ecclesiastical expert, nor am I an expert in canon law. I am simply coming to you as a father of a family, speaking to other parents, and in particular, I am focusing my comments on dads because, like St. Joseph, we have a God-given responsibility to protect our children, even with our lives, if necessary. We have to even inconvenience ourselves and take whatever steps necessary to protect our children. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, what's the harm in a priest conducting a same-sex blessing ceremony? Uh, it's not a change of doctrine, and it's not officially a marriage. So what's the concern? Well, I have here today at least four concerns, at least four reasons why such blessing ceremonies create harm. And number one, I was just telling a friend this morning that I consider myself a <laughs> old youth pastor in a sense that when I was younger, I was a youth pastor, and I came to see how important it was for Catholic families to prepare their children for that transition from childhood to adulthood, and it's a really turbulent time. And I always basically saw that the need, and again, this is my perspective as a result of youth ministry, was to focus on family life in order that they can, Christian parents can prepare their children for what they're going to face. Well, already our youth, our Catholic youth, are in a terrible situation regarding the whole question and questions revolving around homosexuality. I have in front of me a Pew Research Center study of young U.S. Catholics, 
And the question was asked, should homosexuality be accepted? And 85% of young Catholics ages 18 to 29 said, yes, it should be accepted. And then they asked young Catholics, 18 to 29, are you in favor of support for same-sex marriage? And 75% said yes. Now, when something like this comes out, and this has been growing, this has been growing, and these numbers actually might even be slightly higher today, but you would think somebody would pull the fire alarm in chanceries and parishes and youth groups. This is astounding that basically the next generation has already been captured, not just for blessing uh, ceremonies, but for same-sex marriages. And, you know, newspapers aren't around anymore, but even if they were, young people are basically getting their news from their phones and they swipe headlines. And the headline coming out this week about the Pope okaying under certain circumstances, blessing ceremonies for same-sex couples, well, they're simply going to think, oh, well, Pope Francis and the Catholic Church today is okay with same-sex marriage. It's okay with homosexual relations. This is what's going to happen, and this is what is already happening, and we're already very deep into it. Furthermore, I've come across research that shows that if a young person approves of a particular sexual act— that approval increases the probability that they will actually engage in that act. Not automatically, but the probability increases. For instance, young people who approve of cohabitation before marriage, well, they're more likely than those who don't approve to engage in it. So what is going to happen when they think the Catholic Church approves of same-sex marriage? Most Catholic youth already approve of it. The blessing ceremonies are simply a hop, skip, and a jump away from that, and they will be led down the wrong path. So that's number one. Catholic youth will descend further into our culture's approval of sodomy. And then number two, countless Catholic parents have already been heartbroken when their children maybe away from college and come home and then openly declare to their parents that they are homosexuals. And in today's world, through the propaganda on TV, uh, propaganda in schools, the propaganda through social media and the media, is that if you think you have tendencies, same-sex tendencies, well, then these derive from a genetic disposition in you. And if it's something genetic, well, there's no change possible. And the underlying assumption, so to speak, at least this is how I would view it, the underlying assumption in blessing ceremonies is that, well, these people can't change. We have to be charitable. So we will just bless them as they are, which means blessing them in their sin. But the fact is, and this isn't heard very often, but that change is possible, especially for those under 30. 
and those say between 17 and to their early 20s, it's prime time for change. Change is possible for most, and for those it's not, there's still chastity, which traditionally the church has called for. It was almost 20 years ago, it was actually just about 20 years ago, I was doing a conference in Colorado Springs and Focus on the Family, James Dobson's organization, very kindly uh, gave me and two of my daughters a behind the scenes tour of Focus on the Family, all the various ministries they were involved in. And in particular, our tour was sponsored by leaders of the youth division. And as we were about to leave, I asked our host a question. I said, well, what's the top issue for evangelical parents? And remember, this was 20 years ago. And they said, oh, that's, that's pretty easy. It seems like the top issue is evangelical children in late teens, early 20s, are being pulled into the homosexual movement. 20 years ago, and they said evangelical parents filled the arena, and they pointed to the arena right nearby, and looking for help. And I said, well, who, who do you get for help? And they said, there's a Dr. Joseph Nicolosi who is an expert on this. And lo and behold, uh, I had uh, Dr. Nicolosi as a guest right here on Faith and Family Radio. And I read his book. It was published by an evangelical publisher, but right before we went on the air, there's some things in the book that really triggered thoughts in my mind. I said, Dr. Nicolosi, by any chance, are you a Catholic? He says, oh, of course. I think he was a Latin mass going Catholic. But he, ex, his expertise was in what is called reparative therapy, which is now illegal in several states across the country. Uh, you will be defrocked as a psychologist if you even advocate it. But what he did is repaired the damage which was so often present in homosexual men in the father-son relationship. And he found, and this is a voluntary thing, this is where uh, homosexual men didn't want the same-sex attractions, and he tried to help them resolve the father issue and the homosexual issue then gradually declined. Well, uh, I was, I believe, the first Catholic uh, media person to interview Dr. Nicolosi, and I ended up doing it both by radio and then a Catholic dad whose son became a homosexual, paid for my way from Florida out to California along with a total film crew to get Dr. Nicolosi on film and describing how he did this. Unfortunately, he died an early death, but his son has taken over and has actually expanded somewhat the same reparative therapy but it's expanded a bit. They're finding that any type of real severe trauma to a child can arrest certain areas of that person's psychological maturing and development, and that then results in eroticizing that part of a person that should be experiencing a healthy development. So in any case, I'm in all, all in for helping homosexuals but we don't do it by trying to confirm to them, yeah, it's genetic, 
Not much you can do about it. We don't mention anything about the help that might be available to you. And the idea is that, well, you can't change, so we're going to bless you in your sin because you can't do anything about it. That, to me, is wrong, wrong, wrong. Okay, number three. Any priest who conducts a homosexual union blessing is a profoundly uncharitable priest in his actions. To bless and conduct one of these blessing ceremonies for same-sex unions, I can't think of anything more uncharitable to someone struggling with homosexual, or maybe not struggling. Because what does this do? It says, okay, we're accepting you as you are, skipping the repeated exhortation in the Gospels to repent, which simply means like take a 180, do a U-turn in your life and place your faith in Christ. You don't place your faith in Christ without simultaneously repenting or before. And here we have homosexuals, practicing homosexuals, unrepentant practicing homosexuals, perhaps thinking they're okay with God. And that puts them in a terrible, terrible, extreme situation with God. Well, why is that? Well, let me read to you a passage from St. Paul's epistle to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9, 10, and 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, why are you putting kind of a, a quasi, okay, okay, you're not changing doctrine, you're not saying it's a marriage, but you are saying it's okay. But St. Paul says, no, it's not okay because those engaging in certain acts will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says, do not be deceived. And it seems like a lot of people are neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters or adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor drunkards, nor the greedy, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's as clear as it gets. That's charity. St. Paul isn't being mean. The Bible isn't being cruel. The traditional Catholic faith isn't hate speech. This is true love telling somebody uh, it's not acceptable. You're harming yourself and you're offending God in a deep fashion. But St. Paul goes on to say, and such were, past tense, some of you. Oh, he he was pre-scientific. He didn't know it was all genetic. You can't change. Well, St. Paul, by experience and the Corinthians experience said, and such were some of you, but you were washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now, number four, the statement that Pope Francis's statement does not change Catholic doctrine in any way, but it will enable the progress towards full acceptance of sodomy in the Catholic Church. Now, whether or not he had any clue of this or not, or those around him advising him to make such a statement, I do not know. But it will 
make progress of the Catholic Church towards a full acceptance of same-sex marriage. I don't believe it's going to happen now, but this is what I do believe is happening. We're providing for our supporters this month a wonderful little book entitled The Synodal Process, with the big super synod going on right now over in Rome. But that process is a Pandora's box. And here's what that little book, Dynamite Book, says. There is a dialectical game between extremist and moderate currents in which the former serve as groundbreaking pioneers for the latter. And so they basically try to illustrate it. There's a two-speed revolution going on in the church. There's the high-speed aspect, the high-speed degeneracy, and those would be, in today's world, the German bishops wanting to have same-sex marriages fully recognized by the church. Okay, now that's pretty shocking to just about everybody. My God, and I, I, I'm don't I don't want a horrible surprise and see this approved, but this is where we're heading, because what you have in reaction to the high-speed degeneracy is the slow-speed degeneracy, and this is how the book takes it. The seemingly moderates take what seem to be a, quote, better, unquote, position. Now, blessing ceremonies with no doctrinal change will push Catholic youth, in my estimation, to the 90% plus category of accepting the practice of homosexuality and the acceptance of same-sex marriage. That in and of itself would be one of the greatest crises in the history of the Catholic Church. But what they'll also do is deceive millions thinking somehow the Catholic Church is okay with same-sex marriages. Now, it's not. It hasn't been officially changed, but here's the deception. And you're going to hear a ton of so-called Catholic experts and professional apologists and other leaders and editorial writers and maybe even some so-called Catholic bishops say, there's no doctrine was changed. Everything's okay, but it isn't okay, and here's why. Back to that little book about the Pandora's box and the super synod. The failure of the extremist is then merely apparent. They collaborate indirectly but powerfully in the revolution, gradually attracting the countless multitude of the prudent and the moderate. The extremist claims make it possible to advance a seemingly moderate but subversive reform of the church, which might appear more acceptable. In other words, the radical German bishops help deceive the church and bring it forward in apostasy. The conflict between the two is only a deception. And you notice there are no German bishops, to my knowledge, being disciplined for their homosexual friendly and same-sex friendly positions, um, only single bishop that I'm aware of out in Texas who seems to be very faithful to the Catholic Church is being criticized. So there's two aspects going on, 
And when you hear somebody say, it's okay, there's no problem, doctrine hasn't changed, um, it's not a sacrament of marriage, it's something different, just remember, this is a step towards that, a very concrete step for that, because the revolution has two simultaneous dialectics going on, the high speed and the slow speed, and the slow, slower speed, I should say, appears more moderate, and you think, oh, well, that's good. They didn't change doctrine. No, they are changing the Catholic Church to accept sodomy, and this is a dangerous, dangerous step. So I want to kind of wind this up with uh, an application because, you know, reading editors, you'll see a lot of editorials on this, a lot of statements on this, and a lot of people trying to give you a um, theological valium saying, don't worry, we didn't change doctrine. By and of itself, somebody who can't see what this is doing, especially to Catholic youth, I personally don't recommend listening to for very long. Okay, so what should a parent do? And again, I'm really talking to dads especially because as St. Joseph was protector of the Holy Family, Catholic fathers today are to be protectors of their families. And I would leave dads and parents, both mom and dads, lessons from Lot. Remember, Lot was living in that very prosperous town of Sodom, and God was on his way to destroy it and urge Lot to basically leave town. And our first pope talked about what was like uh, in Lot's interior life, and St. Peter wrote his second epistle, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6, and he said this, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction and made them an example to those who were to be ungodly. Okay, so uh, our first pope saw very strong continuing relevance that this is totally unacceptable to God. And then the next verse, verse seven, and if he risk, rescued righteous Lot, Lot was a righteous man, but he was living in Sodom. He would, Lot was greatly distressed by the licentiousness of the wicked. For by what that righteous man saw and heard as he lived among them, he was vexed in his righteous soul day after day with their lawless deeds. Now, let's say you and your wife say to each other, you know, we can take this. In fact, even if our local priest conducts some of these homosexual blessing ceremonies, our faith can, can take it. And from the example of Lot, God's estimation that Lot was a righteous man, and he was distressed. And I'm sure if you are a faithful Catholic listening to me right now, faithful mom and dad, your heart has weighed heavy seeing all the crazy things, immoral things being advocated by some of these ultra-liberal bishops, particularly the ones in Germany and your soul is vexed just like Lot's soul was vexed, well, you can say, we can take it. But 
What happened to Lot's children? You see, Lot escaped Sodom, but Sodom remained in Lot's daughters. Because right after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, we read that his two daughters got Lot drunk, had sexual relations with their father, became pregnant, and they ended up, those children they became pregnant with through incest, uh, became the Moabites and the Amorites, which were the enemies of Israel in the Old Testament. This is where these enemies came from. And it's like, okay, Lot fled Sodom. He, you know, he remained a righteous man. He was distressed by what was going on, but we can take it. And evidently he did. His wife didn't, and his daughters escaped with him, but they took Sodom and the inner part of their lives. Now, if you say, we can take it, you need to ask yourself, can your children? That's the question. And you are going to hear leading Catholic so-called experts, including members of the clergy, Catholic writers, even some so-called Catholic conservative bishops and whatever else, they'll tell us not to be concerned because doctrine hasn't changed. But what I'm saying today, and I'm not speaking again as a theologian, ecclesiastical expert, a canon law expert, a synod expert, or any other kind of expert, I'm speaking as a dad. When they tell you doctrine hasn't changed, make sure that your children and grandchildren will not be changed. That's the key. If I were in a parish where the priest was doing same-sex blessing ceremonies, I would leave and find a true Catholic parish. I would move if I had to, because that's exactly what St. Joseph did with the Holy Family when it was under threat. If necessary, Catholic dads today should do the same. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.